The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Just between us. Hey! Just between us. I'm a writer, director, and mental health advocate who is obsessed with my dog, Sugar, currently on my lap. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and unofficial expert at being bad with money. And this is Just Between Us, a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. Everyone loves those three things. I hope so. I feel like now's the time where we have to explain why we were given this podcast. Yeah, sure. I mean, given. I why, guess because Why we begged for and yeah. then were allowed. There it is. Right. Um, we are a comedy duo, mm-hmm. I suppose, an odd couple comedy duo mm-hmm. who has a YouTube channel also called Just Between Us. Yes. And we thought, you know what? On YouTube, like, you have to have a different outfit for every video. We've run out of shirts. I have no shirts left. Yeah. What did you say? Uh, YouTube's a young man's game. Oh, yeah. YouTube is a game for people who look good in all shirts. <laughs> right. And we, uh, 30, I, 30, approaching 30. Oof, I still got a couple months. Thank God. <laughs> That's yeah, where okay. So first thing to take away from this is I'm Allison and I'm younger than Gabby. <laughs> yes, by one year. And uh, and so before Allison turns 30, we thought, you know what? Let's hop off the tube. Yeah. Get into the pods. Get into the pods. We've had podcasts of our own before, but this is our first podcast together. Yeah. So your podcast, Gossip is a scripted comedic soap opera. They're not telling me to plug this. I just feel like it's important to do. Yeah. And then I have a podcast called Bad With Money. That's a financial podcast, but not sad. And it's It's a little sad. It's a little sad. Yes. So the point of the show was that Allison and I disagree on a lot of things. But still remain best friends. Yes. I've never had that one prior to meeting you. You've never had a friend? No, I never had a friend. Uh, I lived alone in a cave. And well, no. And also, like, I think nowadays it's this thing of like, you have to agree with your friends on every single point of everything. Otherwise, you can't be friends. I feel like people think that. And I'd I feel say like, that about political beliefs. Well, obviously, poli- if I disagreed with you about that, I wouldn't talk to you anymore. Yeah. If you were a Republican, get the hell out of here. Right. The point is, uh, is that we met at a time when we were, I think, very different. We've we've come to some middle ground now. You were very prudish and very like almost sort of 1950s housewife-esque. And I was this wild child, like, you know, slutty, sort of all over the place mess person. Right. And then uh, I dressed like an Orthodox Jew. You did. Even though I'm not. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wore a lot of unflattering hats and like, well, cut off shorts. You dressed real sexy. Did I? Yeah. What happened to me? I'm not sure. I look back at us and I'm like, Jesus, we were hot. (laughs) (laughs) We had no idea. We met doing stand-up comedy in Los Angeles. What a nightmare. Right. And you thought that we were dating. Yes. Because uh, you approached me very aggro, trying to be my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, this girl's in love with me. Right. And we would hang out all the time. And you asked me a ton of questions about bisexuality. And that's just friendship. I think that, and I was like, oh, she's 
like she's trying to get in here. Uh huh. But you think that about everybody? Well, mm, see, I'd say that a big part of your growth is figuring out that not every relationship has to be sexual. I know it's so it's boring, but it's true. <laughs> oh boy! Wow! I can, wow! We're getting too oh. quick into things. Oh Any, okay. my god! All right, you see how you get you get the dynamic here, right? Do we want to preview the episode? Oh, yes. Yeah, so you're probably like, what the fuck is this show? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm entertained. Uh, basically, we've it's a variety show. We're going to have different segments. We mm-hmm. get we have an interview coming up. We have some games. We have some more serious stuff. Um, so our first segment of the show is, is one of my favorites because I get to start it with the song. Maestro. International question. International question. International question. Betty from Minnesota. Do you want to explain why it's international, even though it's Minnesota? Yes, but that was maybe the most fun I've ever had. Uh, you've never had a backing, like... <laughs> I've never had a backup track before. Yeah. That was awesome. We're big time. Yeah. That was so cool. Here's what you were giving me. You were giving me letters to Cleo. You were giving me Joan Jett. You were giving me the Veronicas. You were Thank giving you. me... Yeah. So basically, on our YouTube channel, we would answer advice questions, and if it was an international question, you know, from an audience person outside of America, we would, I would, sing that song. But now that we're doing the podcast, I think, give the people what they want. The people want Muzak, and I'll sing the song regardless of where the question's from. Yeah, I love it. Okay, thank you. What an upgrade. Look, we're not super qualified to give advice, Mm -hmm. but I will say that we pull from our own experiences. So even though we don't behave well, I'd say that we're both relatively self-aware. Would a self-aware person say that? Yes. Oh, okay. Because if you are self-aware, then you know you're self-aware. Yeah, but I feel like people in LA always say that they're, I'm so self-aware. You don't think I'm self-aware? Yes. I can explain to you exactly why I'm doing everything I'm doing, even <laughs> though I shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Self-aware doesn't mean well-behaved. Oh, okay. Well, I also think that you don't want advice from a perfect person. Right. You want advice from people who are messing it up left and right, day to day. Yeah, I'm constantly giving out advice of new things I'm doing before I know if they work. Yeah. (laughs) And here is our very first question. Hi, my name is Betty and I'm from Minnesota. My question is, how do you deal with conflicting values in a relationship, whether it be a romantic partner or a friend? My current boyfriend of one year is pro-life and holds some other conservative beliefs that I'm very against. While I am not afraid to voice my opinion to him and challenge what he thinks, I worry about the progression of our relationship since I'm agnostic slash atheist. He has expressed a desire to raise his children Catholic. I'm not necessarily against religion or belief in God, but I just worry that this will cause controversy. Many of his conservative beliefs are tied to his religious perspective, although he isn't right-wing in every aspect. I know it is a bit preemptive to be thinking about marriage and children when we've only been together for one year, but it's something I've been pondering recently. I was wondering if you guys have any thoughts or advice regarding relationships with people that have different political beliefs. Thanks, Betty. So you presented this question to me, and I was like, what can I say beyond dump him? Right, yes. So my immediate instinct is run, run as fast as you can, as far away as you can. Yes. Here's what I think about all the time. Please. Is, is how do people date people who have different political beliefs? And I, the only thing that makes any sense to me is that politics just must not be that important to them. Yes, sure. But the thing here, and it's not, I don't even care about political beliefs in this situation. Well, what, what? Well, you should. I do. Okay. But what 
bumps because it's funny when people go, well, it's just politics. And it's like, you're right. It's just what they think of the world around them and other, <laughs> how people, to treat other people and how to yeah. treat and like what's important. It's like it's like hard to me for me to understand why like it's just their values. Oh, it's just their <laughs> core values. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just it's just their politics. Or when it will be like, well, they're just fiscally conservative. But that means that they're putting their love of money above all their other values. That's what I'm talking about. Like, so you can, you are this like, thing. If, of you, like, if you vote, if you vote conservative <laughs> just because you like money, then I don't care if you technically support gay marriage. You don't really. That's what I mean. You so don't prioritize it in any way. Right. And I'm allowed to choose who I want to be around based on if they care about immigrants, care about exactly. gay people, like care about black people. Like, are you joking? Yeah, I have. Um, I've gotten in a bunch of. Well, I don't really engage with it, but a lot of attacks on Twitter and Instagram when I say that I don't really want to associate with with current Republicans and people who still support Trump. And they're like, well, you have to give them a chance. I'm like, no, they have made what type of person they are clear to me. And I've decided, no, thank you. So let's take politics out of this for a second, even though you really can't. Pro-life. Your, your boyfriend is, is pro-life, which right. is a, a made-up moniker that literally just means anti-abortion or anti-choice. Mm-hmm. And if you are pro-life, you are not pro-life because you are pro the mother dying at the expense of the baby. You are pro, you don't care about the baby once it comes out of the, like how many people say they're pro-life, but then don't care once the baby is born, they don't care. What happens to it. They think we should get rid of welfare. Exactly. (laughs) So you're not pro-life. So pro-life is a fake moniker. Two. But let's pretend even that you are pro-life. Let's pretend that he truly believes life starts then. And somehow he's also a great guy who also thinks welfare should... Like, let's just give him the benefit of the okay. doubt. If you're then engaging in a sexual relationship with this person, I would be terrified. Correct. Because what happens if Betty gets pregnant and Betty doesn't want the baby and then her partner makes her have the baby? Right. Because that means you're with somebody who does not respect that it's your body, your choice. That This is the other thing. Right. So you are choosing to share your body and your life with someone who thinks of you as a receptacle. They do not see you as a human being. They see, they value their religion. I'm sure they would say they see you as a human being, but but they they don't. don't. But they don't. They absolutely don't. They think, they see that they see their God and their Catholicism and their religion as more important than you, a human woman. Right. But that, you could still think that they're a person and just not prioritize their personhood. I'm only doing this because I think sometimes when we go too extreme with things, we lose people because they go, well, of course he sees women as a human being. And then like the rest of what we say doesn't matter because we've gone too extreme. Oh, I don't care. Well, I do. And that's why we're an odd couple duo. (laughs) But as someone who dated a guy who was Mm pro-life, it was so exhausting and took up so much of my very valuable time and energy to go to a partner who supposedly loves me and explain to them why I am a person. You take you end up spending an exhaustive amount of time trying to just get someone who claims to love you to acknowledge your humanity. And I can't I couldn't do it and I can't do it anymore. And I think it's a waste of time for women like date someone who respects you. But this is part I think this is part of where we disagree a little bit in that I think that 
if you're with somebody who honestly is receptive to the things that you're saying and maybe just isn't educated in that area and just needs to hear the you know correct what? point of view. They can fucking Google it. It is not your partner's job to do the emotional labor of spending hours of their life explaining humanity to you. Be a better. Why does that girl know? And you don't be a better person. Get some books. Sit down. If your partner is that upset about something, like if I got pregnant right now, you know, here's the reasons that I'm pro-choice and you're fighting them on it and it has nothing to do, it doesn't have to do with him. Like it's not his body or anything, then he doesn't respect you. I also wonder about the amount of really wonderful, educated women who are wasting their hours of their day explaining basic human dignity to boyfriends who don't get it and who gaslight them and who are like it's about who are like let me play devil's advocate about your fucking life your reality and and you know what you could do write a book dump that guy write a book (laughs) start a company like why are you wasting your fucking time on this there's a difference when there's pushback if there's pushback from the guy then i think it's different but i think if he just like honestly doesn't understand and then like in a five minute conversation you explain it to him and he's like oh okay then that's great i also think think long term do you want to raise your kids in a religion you don't believe in oh like these are the conversations you need to have immediately oftentimes these conversations are us defending our very lives explaining why we deserve to live and not and like you know i don't want to sit and talk to a boyfriend like i had boyfriends where i had to be like here's why it's not okay to cat call mm-hmm. and it's like you know i'm literally sitting here spending hours of my life talking to a man who supposedly loves me about why rape culture isn't okay well i think the thing that is is really jumping out for me is when you're saying hours right so for me i think that there is people where like maybe their initial because of the way they were raised and because like only in the last few years have we really made some strides in this stuff, they'll initially be like, hey, what is like, what is that about? And like there are tons of people, I think, who like within a five minute conversation will get it. Sure. It's the people that it's taking you hours that are not worth your time. Absolutely. But I don't think it's fair to say that everyone needs to to be completely above board in every aspect of the world and have be completely educated in everything the moment you meet them or fuck them. Sure. But I also will say that there are men who are not going to do this. There are oh, men. Oh, like this guy sucks. Sucks. Uh, okay. Betty's got to go. But Betty's got to go. Betty's got to go. But I'm just saying that I think, again, like if we if we make it too extreme, sure. then it's harmful. Because but if there are guys who within three minutes would understand cultural appropriation. It's just nobody ever explained it to them. Right. We don't know this guy. Maybe he does really respect her. And he also respect. Like, I, I have no idea. I don't know what it means to be someone who is pro-life. Like, I find that very confusing. I find very religious people very confusing i mean their brains just work in a different way yeah but i think because that is not who betty is she should not be with this person like if you are with someone who you feel like you're constantly like that's your job like she's trying to teach him or change him i think she's just trying to figure out if she can live with the way that he is and if he can live with the way that she is and my advice is probably not and you can find someone else right for sure well i hope you enjoyed that to riled exchange of words. Uh, if you want to submit your international question, just send an email to justbetweenuspod at gmail. That's justbetweenuspod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And coming up after the break, we'll get into some tough questions with our guest, jaw-dropping photographer Maggie West, who's also a close personal friend. Just between us.
Hi everyone, Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books and that is why I'm so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box. And there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment. And she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out. And she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic, trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in book of the month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. No, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's what people have said. That's what the reviews have said. All the reviews. All the reviews. My mom says, wow, that's tough. My parents say, how do you listen to a podcast? Anyway, <laughs> joining us today is the incredible Maggie West, a Los Angeles-based photographer and installation artist. Hello, Maggie. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for coming. I'm very happy to be here. So how do we know you? 
Man, I don't know. It's been so long. I think the first time I ever met you guys was I shot you for a Planned Parenthood benefit, like, back in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yes, for Stand. I remember it well, because I remember thinking, wow, she makes me look good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how would you describe your your photography, like, your style? Well, I I use a lot of colored light. Um, A lot of people um, look at the photos and they wonder if I'm doing crazy things in photoshop um but i'm not uh, it's, it's all practical it's, yeah right? it's all in camera um so yeah i use a lot of colored lights and kind of recolor reality as as i see fit um i think maybe perhaps the most interesting fact about you is that you've shot both me and gabby completely naked I have. Uh, what was it like to shoot us naked? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we should maybe share why. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was for, yeah. <laughs> so it was for this Planned Parenthood um, project called Stand that you did in 2016, right? No. no. Wait, what? When, <laughs> no. when were we naked? No, oh, for that slut was walk. Slut walk. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. Walk. Oh. God, what year was it? 2017? 2017. Yeah, yeah, it was the year after the first stand, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I ended up doing like a very large public art installation in Perching Square for Slutwalk. Um, and so the idea behind that was to kind of, um, to it was like a take on stained glass windows. Because, mm-hmm. you know, typically with stained glass windows, the only women you see depicted in that are literally saints. And mm-hmm. almost every single saint is a virgin and if she's not a virgin she like died trying to protect her virginity mm-hmm. oh my God. um so i just for slut walk which is like kind of a celebration of women's sexuality i i kind of wanted to take that imagery and you know kind of flip it on its head and and use it as a symbol of of like women's sexual liberation more so basically i shot nude photos of I don't remember how many people, like 40? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, like a fair amount um, of all different backgrounds. Like some of them are like, you know, actors or or podcasters or (laughs) (laughs) YouTube sensations or or like porn stars or like whoever, you know. And there was a lot of uh, like different types of people in it and whatever. Um, So, yeah, so I shot a bunch of those photos. And then I built a, or I didn't personally build, I'm a very bad welder. Um, <laughs> a, a team directed by me uh, built a 60-foot uh, steel frame. And then we basically took all those photos and made like a, what looks like a stained glass ceiling that you could walk through. So It was beautiful. I went down there. I was like pointing like people walking by. I was like, that's me. Look at me there. <laughs> check Naked, out my nudes. <laughs> check it out right there. I'd never posed nude before. Yeah. And I found it incredibly empowering. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it. Well, I, here's the thing you that, covered your nips. Well, I, for the photos that were published, yeah, I did cover my breasts, mostly for my poor There's father's some outtakes, sake. I think. Yeah, for but right. then towards the end, Maggie and I just was doing full nudity for me. You got, yeah. Because you want those for the future. You want to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to remember what you, well, it was so funny. I walked in to shoot with you and you were like Allison was just here uh, and she covered her nips but from you Gabby I expect full frontal like, <laughs> it was like my reputation had preceded me like you better not pussy out because you talk a lot of big game on the internet and I was like oh okay I showed my butt 
Yeah. You did. Oh, no, sure, yeah, but. there was button there ears was for, for sure. sure. But. <laughs> what, your best feature? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was hard for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a hardship. So my next question isn't necessarily tough, but I find to be very interesting. We know, but tell our listeners how you met your current boyfriend. Oh. Because it had to do with <laughs> photos as well. It did. Um, so my boyfriend, uh, Christopher Zyshug, who is a writer and former porn star known as Danny Wilde. Um, Amazing writer, by the way. His book, Body to Job, is great. You should get it. Not that I, I mean, I blurbed it, so. <laughs> but uh, available now. Yes. Um, so my lovely boyfriend and I first met when I was shooting uh, this book called 23. I was shooting the book of nudes and I wanted it to be very inclusive and kind of like a encompass the whole specter of both gender and sexuality. But I didn't really have any like straight or bi men that were like super down to come to my house and fling off their clothes. So I was kind of <laughs> just like looking for like guys that would sort of fit the profile and so while Chris I wouldn't say is like 100% straight like he leans straight <laughs> yeah I'd agree with that yeah like um so I'd I'd uh, read his book and it was really great and so basically I DM'd him I slid into his oh, DMs I, that. <laughs> I didn't know that part and I was like do you do you want to come uh, bottle for this book that I'm shooting and he did and so he came over and we didn't immediately start dating like we we like met we really liked each other but it, both of us were sort of seeing other people at the time and so but anyway flash forward to several months later and we were officially dating and now it's been in like three years. So I you think. photographed him naked. Yes. So you that's key. Okay. Yes, I did. I photographed him nude before we were dating. Right. And that's so you how knew you what can, you were getting right. I did. I knew everything. Exactly. <laughs> that should be common practice. <laughs> Was there any reservation for you for dating a porn star? Um not really. I mean, I think the only thing that was a little bit on shaky ground for me is that like I know with porn uh, people like they get tested all the time, mm-hmm. whereas Chris was not in porn, but he was still occasionally doing sex work, which doesn't have insanely rigorous testing. So, I mean, he he ended up, I mean, he was like everything. Chris was so sweet about this, and he was like, Well, I'll get tested today. And so, and so oh, he did. Yeah. And like, I was like, Oh, yay, <laughs> amazing, you know, like, um, just a PSA, yeah, get, I mean, I get tested like every six months. You just get, just do yeah. even le- whenever. If you have like a it's free never hour, a bad idea. <laughs> just go right. do it. Yeah, I and, like- and your partner should never make you feel bad for asking that of them. That's scary. Absolutely should get tested, even if you think you're like, oh well, I'm not the type of person. There is no type of person, buddy. Sorry, to, sorry to say. Well, that's the end of our health PSA. I know, um, I know. <laughs> so my other question, that I like, so you you did a a big um, project with Pornhub. I did, <laughs> and so I like I. I just haven't even really talked to you about it, and I just want to hear about it. It was incredible. I went to it. It was so awesome. Oh, good. You know, I really wanted to build something massive. Um, And I should say that I developed and built Pornhub Nation with another person. Uh, We were co-creators on that, um, and then they left the project. So Right. But anyway, the concept behind that was that you're going through, like, a future world um, that is, what if Pornhub was the government? Like, we made up a story (laughs) that was like, oh, like, basically everyone gets sick of living under Trump, and so they move to an island, and it's called Pornhub Nation, and these are the rules of Pornhub Nation. And so it had everything that a normal government did, like an IRS, a DMV, 
uh, you know, NASA. Mm -hmm. We called it ASA. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, we basically went through and developed all this different mythology for these different rooms. And then I cast porn stars as all the roles in this. Like, we had four presidents. Um, (laughs) It was, like, a Bella Danger, Riley Reed, Joanna Angel, and also Kira were our presidents of different eras. And then, so I shot all of them in very presidential poses. Like, I love shooting photos, um, but I always kind of had a background in other art mm-hmm. art things because I've had dabbled so much in all the other arts. Like, I like kind of taking the photos and, like, building them into, like, more of, like, an immersive world. I mean, honestly, I've been really lucky in the last few years that I've had more and more opportunities to actually do this because mm-hmm. uh, it's... It's a lot of work and takes a lot of money to physically build structures. <laughs> well, I feel um, like it's as an artist to support yourself as like a visual artist has to be like the hardest of all the arts. It's it's a grind. You know? <laughs> you, <laughs> For you've sure. told me about this and I always find this very interesting is um, that there's so many art grants. Like you always talk about how like that people don't take advantage of this y- type of stuff. Yes. Yes. And no. You know, like, um, yes, that is true. Um, however, the more I do this, the more I I think everything works differently for different people. I don't have any formal background in the arts at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like I am almost well, I would say completely self-taught, and I don't have like a BFA or like whatever. So in my experience, I've actually had a lot better luck getting private funding, just like going directly to a company and being like, I want to build this. You should pay for this. You You seem to like work with brands and and organizations in a really cool way. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not always brands like like, for instance, Slutwalk is a nonprofit, like Planned Parenthood is a nonprofit. Final question, just for our listeners and mostly for me. What are some tips for taking a great photo of someone? Well, obviously, I think the more comfortable someone is, uh, mm-hmm. the better. Uh, and there's all sorts of every photographer has their own like kind of tricks for that. Um, something I do, which I almost don't want to tell both of you because it's not going to work in the future <laughs> if you know that I'm doing this. Um, Please. I think sometimes, uh, especially when people aren't super experienced models, uh, being told what to do, but not in dumb photographer language, like be fierce, be a tiger. Like no, I those love are that those you are do this. yeah. Is turn your head to the left, turn mm-hmm. your head to the right, turn your head this way. So secret trick that I do. Uh, sometimes I'm actually giving you direction because I want you to do that, but sometimes I will I will like legit take you in a circle just because I want you to loosen up. And the more that you're moving around, you're gonna like not tense up so much. Oh, so like sometimes brilliant. when I'm telling you to like turn your head to the right and bring your chin up, it's because I actually want you to do it. And sometimes when I tell you to do that and then four other things and then bring you back to that pose, it's because I wanted you to like loosen up and stop being oh so it doesn't even look that different oh my god you're a mastermind (laughs) no i also don't typically count the first like 50 shots i shoot of anyone i just assume are garbage um because it's like a warm-up um occasionally like you'll get something good in there but most of the time you're you know it's the person's the most tense and like whatever and and usually i don't think people start really getting into it until about midway through the shoot and so another thing i would recommend like for instance when i shot fashion editorials i always said this so we start with the worst outfit um and and i think people should do that when they go into their own photo shoots if there's one shirt that you're not feeling like wear it first uh because by and like save the outfits or the locations or whatever that you think are like going to be really awesome until the end because by that point 
people will be loosened up and you don't have to work as hard. So, what, yeah. what fun tips and tricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like when we get, have a practical takeaway from our show. Our advice segment, not so much. But what Maggie just said, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So now, Maggie, would you like to stay for our next segment? Oh, yes, I'd love to. Wonderful. Now, this next segment is called Hypotheticals. We're going to play a game where I give you hypotheticals, <laughs> you pick an answer, and then I tell you why you're wrong. Just get ready for this fuck show. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm so ready. I'm angry every time. Yeah. So there's uh, going to be multiple games within the game. Okay. And our first game is America's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? Okay. Where I give you a scenario, and then you decide if you would stay, say with me now, with that cheater. Neither of you did it. That's okay. <laughs> I'm literally, my head is in my hands. Our first question, our first round, I should say, since this is a game show. Your spouse of 35 years admits to making out with a cater waiter at your wedding, <gasps> but hasn't been unfaithful since. Would you stay with that cheater? Yeah. <laughs> so Maggie says yes right away. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh-huh. 35 years. It was 35 years ago. And they made out. With the cater waiter. Where did they make out? At your wedding. But where? In the bathroom? In the kitchen? Oh, wait. I didn't get the context of this. At your your wedding. wedding. I I missed that whole. (laughs) 35 years ago, at your wedding, your spouse tells you today, I made out with the cater waiter at our wedding 35 years ago. They've never cheated since then, and you've been together for 35 years. I mean, I'd probably stay with them. I feel like I'd be a little bit, like, pissy for, like, a little while, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You get to to choose, like, the entertainment for the next year because... Yeah, I I, I would get something out of it. I don't know what yet, but, like, yeah, like, I feel like I'd stay with them. Here's the thing. They made out in your bridal suite. Okay, there's my next question. <laughs> yes. And also, they never loved you. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so, but how has our marriage been for 35 years? Really good? It's been fine. It's, it's been fine? Normal. Well, I don't, it, you yeah. know. I guess normal. Yeah, like, yeah I'd say medium it? level of good. I'm out. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not. I might be out. If it's only medium level of good, then I feel too late. You guys said maybe you'd stay. maybe it's just the no, excuse. no. I didn't say shit. I didn't say shit. I'm <laughs> leaving. I'm leaving in a sort of cool, waiting to exhale, blowing up the car way, and I'm and I'm just gonna start a new life. It's like a cool divorcee with my friends and like have sex with younger men I feel, like, I feel like i need to ask more questions before jumping to a conclusion because that's like, not allowed <laughs> no. no you're allowed okay, to ask okay, questions okay. all right next one else and i'm ready for you okay but just so you know you leave them and they immediately get back together with that cater waiter god <laughs> damn it allison so then we were right <laughs> fuck they were keeping in touch the whole time absolutely it was an emotional affair <laughs> oh my god <laughs> round two You find out you are the side chick after six months of dating someone. Okay. But the other person is your mortal enemy. Do you stay with this cheater? Oh. So you find out that that your significant other has been, is actually in a relationship with your mortal enemy and has been cheating on them with you for six months. Interesting. And, And would I get to have the satisfaction of being like, jokes on you, you have to keep it a secret. No. no. Yeah, you're a side chick. <laughs> but but what, can I post like us on Instagram together being like we're hanging out so that the enemy sees that? Um, Instagram immediately takes it down because you were naked. <laughs> <laughs> I 
would not stay with the cheater, but then I would, you know, like when you write a note on your phone and then you post that to Instagram and it's like really serious. Mm-hmm. I would write a note being like, I just found out that so and so, and I like would make myself look really good. Like I'd be like, yeah, I'm but, so but sorry, your mortal enemy. Enemy would. I didn't. I didn't know. And like, but it would. So it would embarrass them. Make me look like a good person. They immediately do a smear campaign and say that you're crazy and that none of that happened and that you're just desperate for attention. That's, oh, well, that's when you drop the pics. Exactly. You, know? <laughs> you don't have any pictures. Yes, I do have pictures. He took the photos. He knows how to cheat. <laughs> no. Instagram took it down, so I have it. Fine, so you don't say. But here's the thing. Your mortal enemy is your soulmate. Moving on. <laughs> Whoa. That that's would, why you hate them so much. That would be crazy. Because you're not ready to accept love into your heart. Okay. That would be so crazy. <laughs> okay, so now we're moving on to America's other favorite game show, Is This a Date? Your coworker asks in advance to stay at your apartment the night of the holiday party, even though they live closer to work. Is it a date? Yeah. Well, it's maybe not Wait. a date, but it's intentions. <laughs> Wait right? a minute. Come They're on. asking... So they're not saying go with me to the holiday party as a date. They're just saying afterwards, can I stay at your yeah, place? Yeah, can I crash at your place? Because well, we'll they're be obviously up. trying to hook up. Like, the, although I feel like there's some like like Machiavellian twist I don't see that Allison's <laughs> they're gonna throw what happens in, is you know? they're gonna like, bring someone else home and fuck in your bed. They tend to throw up when they're drunk and they need someone <laughs> to take care of them. But you've made a fool of yourself because while they went in the bathroom, you took your clothes off. No, <laughs> Allison. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the end of our game show segment. <laughs> Maggie, where can people find you? Instagram. Why not? Um, <laughs> where on Instagram? Why? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, my handle is Maggie West. It's my name. If you Google me, my website comes up. So do a lot of other projects. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. Everyone find her immediately online. Coming up next after the break, topics with an X. This week, we're talking about body image and not just when we're naked. What? I don't know. (laughs) The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It is time for Topics with an X. Topics is where we dive into a broader subject and mm-hmm. uh, it tends to be more serious, although sometimes maybe it won't be. Who yeah. knows? Sometimes the international question gets real serious. And topics could be straight up goofy. Straight up goofy. <laughs> that should be my new Twitter bio. I know. I like, I like how you phrase that. <laughs> uh, but today I wanted to talk about body image. Because I feel... You just wanted to talk about it? Yeah, you're not allowed to speak. <laughs> I'm here as a guest. No, I'll be monologuing for the next 11 minutes. <laughs> well, I feel like it... First of all, I love to talk about body image all the time. But also, specifically, I feel like we've both had significant changes to our body that has been important and sort of life-changing for both of us. Uh, yeah, I had a, a, a breast reduction in October 
And that was great. Can't recommend it enough. I mean, it's just like I had a hump in my back, essentially. Like I was I, I saw before and after pictures where there was literally my shoulders were hunched and there was like a roundedness to my back. And then they, you know, they take progression photos. And then after the surgery, the I'm standing completely differently. It was an interesting decision because it was a mix of like health and also vanity. Yeah, in a way. I mean, I didn't like the way that clothes fit. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, a lot of times it, I wanted to wear button downs and they wouldn't button or I wanted to wear uh, like a certain type of bra. Like, you know, you love those bralettes. And so there were times where it was just very cumbersome and I had started working out more and I was wearing like two sports bras just to keep them pressed in. Uh, and I was like, this doesn't have to be my life. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I had to decide to spend money on. Right. But yeah, I mean, I ended up spending um, a significant amount of money on it that, you know, I'm like, okay, was that the best use of my money? I think it was very worth it in the sense that like, it's something that has fixed my health and the way I wear clothes for, you know, the rest of my life. I think that your relationship with your own body is a very interesting thing that is constantly changing. At least it is for me. Um, Mm -hmm. where like sometimes I feel like very connected to it and I feel like oh great like I my body and my clothes and my face are projecting who I am we're very tied in together Mm -hmm. this is you know this is my statement this is like how I want people to see me and other times I'm like oh god what is this cumbersome thing yeah I wish I could just have my brain in a in some sort of glass jar and then people could just interact with me through that because my body is this foreign object that is making my life worse. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, I also, um, you know, I have eczema. And so I know this isn't like the typical body image conversation of like having to do with weight or the way clothes look, but uh, it's on my face. Right. And that is so hard because that's like what I present to the world. Mm -hmm. I was on a book tour, right? I'm like on this. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But I was like telling you, like, I'm on this book tour where I'm meeting, you know, hundreds of people a day. And I also have makeup caked over. I mean, my chin was just fully red, broken out, like dry and like just was it was a flare up. Um, And so I'm like, I know that I have to like be in front of people and talk to people. But uh, I have eczema on my face. And like, I just have to but be like, you still like, had to go and you still, still had to had do to go. it. I still had to do it. And I just had to be like, I had to say to myself, like what you were just saying, where I had to go, they're here to, to hear me talk. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what I look like, but it is, you know, with acne, which I also have, like, it's just like a lot of that stuff is, can be really devastating because it doesn't, to me, I'll like, it doesn't match up to how I feel like I'll be so confident about what I'm saying and then I'll like go to the bathroom and be like I'm like I I have like full redness on my face right now well I think that it's like one of the things that was so liberating for me was when I read Amy Poehler's book and she said I realized that my looks were not going to be my currency yeah and like because we are on camera sometimes like when I first started acting, it was like, oh, God, like how I look matters so much. And then I I kind of like made this decision where I was like, the characters that I play, the career that I want will not be tied to like me looking like America's sweetheart. So trigger warning, we're going to talk about weight loss and dieting and that sort of stuff. So if you don't want to hear that totally fair, um, tune in next week for our next episode. I'm sure it'll be excellent. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, like I went through significant weight gain like a year ago. 
I was like at my heaviest and because of medication that I was on. I was on Zoloft and I gained like over 20 pounds and I felt like disconnected from my body. And I think a big part of why was that it changed my face shape. So it's weird to look in the mirror and not see yourself. I was like, who is this person? Yeah. I didn't know who it was. It was like very strange to me. Um, It also felt weird when people would say that I didn't look that different because I was like, have you ever looked at me? (laughs) Like clearly I look very different. But I also I also think that we we also have a skewed thing where we are good looking. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's this. This thing that we do fit society's mold of what attractive is. But I did not know that. Yeah. Um, honestly, until I gained weight. I didn't know how attractive I was until I was no longer as attractive. But according to who, Allison? Well, according to how I felt about myself, like looking back at photos of my old self, like like I like my natural face without medication puffing it out. But I also think that that you've internalized a lot of stuff wherein you think that you being bigger it was also I had a bad, you as someone. I or... had a bad haircut. Sure. Like, I would also say that, like, at this exact time that I'm speaking about, I also had a bad haircut. Yeah. Well, okay. So almost even more, it was the haircut than the weight. But okay. But that's that's interesting because don't do what you're gonna do. I'm queer. Don't what? act surprised. Okay. <laughs> and I I go to a thing called a camp, which is a queer summer camp. It happens every year. It's the best. I had internalized so many messages about what you're supposed to look like. And I went in 2016 for the first time. And I had up until that point uh, only dated very feminine women and only dated like, you know, my ex at that point was like a pole dancer. Like I had only dated women that fit this very straight mold of like what attractive is. And then I got to camp and I'm and I met and they'll they'll be fine with me saying this. But I met um, a musician named Mal Blum who is a non-binary trans person who uh, is very androgynous looking. And I was like, take, I was like taken aback a little bit. Like that's, wow, I'm so attracted to this person. And then I felt embarrassed, like, oh, that's so weird that I'm attracted to this person that doesn't look like either gender or isn't thin or isn't, you know, like, wow, like I'm, that's embarrassing. How embarrassing for me. The first night of camp, they were like, "Uh, okay, everyone go around and say your camp crush. And then every single person said Mal. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, Mal is a straight up hottie. Like, I was like, I am so wrong about what is attractive. This is all made up. And so one of the very cool liberating things about being queer was like, it doesn't even factor in. Like, when my friends are like, that person's hot, like, their weight, like, none of it, especially weight, never even factors in. No, and and for me, it's not like... (sighs) It, it's more about getting back the body that I know. I think it is a much more personal relationship between you and your body mm-hmm. and finding what you feel comfortable with. And that's going to be completely different for everybody else. Yeah. So for me, it was it was feeling like I recognized myself in the mirror. Like yes. That felt like something that I wanted to get back to, like that, that I, I wanted to, to look the way that I have historically looked and mm-hmm. how I have... You know, but what's been really interesting about this time period is I think that bef- before um, my looks changed, I did not feel very confident in my looks. I mm-hmm. thought that I was I was pretty, but I wasn't I wasn't upper echelon, you know, and like I was whatever. But you were. 
slash R. But here's the thing is like <laughs> having gone through this change with my body where like I I felt uncomfortable in it and like it didn't it didn't feel like me. Mm-hmm. And now to be getting back to myself, I now have so much more confidence in it than I've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was that like Look, like, there was this time where I wasn't exactly how I wanted to be, and, like, life went on. Yeah. I still dated people. I still, like, I still was successful. Mm-hmm. I still did really cool career things. I still, like, existed in the world. Mm-hmm. And it, and in a way, it, like, gave less power to my body mm-hmm. and how important that was. And now that I've, like, kind of reclaimed it, it's just, like, this cool added bonus mm-hmm. that I now also get to, like, feel comfortable in my skin. And I also, like, I've, I've been working out a lot more. Like, I just, like, I've been eating better. Like, I just feel like I am treating my body with more respect. And that, like, I am... It's mentally affecting It's mentally. You. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm taking care of this vessel that, like, that transports me and mm-hmm. it makes it me able to live because I can't just be a brain in a jar, at least mm-hmm. not yet. Yeah. And so, like, I think it's, like, with body image, it's, like, you kind of have to, like, take away, like, society's standards and figure out, like, what will make you feel good? Yeah. I just feel like it's hard to be, like, well, this this is what society feels is attractive because it so rarely matches up to what is actually sexy or what is actually good looking. Oh, yeah. And also, like, I... And as much as I say, like, it's important to, like, focus on, like, what makes you feel good, that should only take up, like, a certain amount of your mental capacity. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it is so dangerous when you let what you look like, like, overtake your brain. You know, I had to figure out what I did care about, what what was important to me, Mm -hmm. like, what does make me happy. And that doesn't mean that it consumes me or that's my entire life. But it is like a, a part of, a part of you. And I yeah, also Yeah, and you didn't go I just want to say also for, for the weight loss thing, you didn't go off meds and decide that you were gonna uh just let the chips fall where they may so you could be thin. You changed to a different medication. Oh, you know and I, mean? I didn't change right away. Right. I like, you know, once it like I had a lot of people telling me I'd gained weight, including my own family, and telling me I should switch my meds. Even though you were finally mentally stable. Right. Even though I felt mentally the best so you, I'd ever felt. So you prioritize Right. And your for months, health. I said, you know what? No, I'm happy. I don't want to mess with this. And then I got to a point where I felt stable enough and where I felt like, you know what? The fact that I don't feel comfortable in my body is starting to bother me. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when I changed meds under the help of a psychiatrist to different medication that is now doing the exact same work with less side effects. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But like, again, like it became like, what was my priority? And at first, my priority like wasn't that I, my, the side effects, it wasn't that I'd gained right. weight. It you was were my like, mental I health. I just need to get stable. Right. And then once I did that, then I was able to make the change. So it's fucked up. Like, everyone needs to stop acting like, Like, if someone's gained weight, it is uh, the worst possible thing that could have happened. Like, you were so happy to finally be mentally stable that it's fucked up that anyone was like, but this terrible thing is happening to you. Like, it's not terrible. And also, leave them alone. If I say I want to lose weight, everyone gets mad at me. And I think that that's that's policing women in a just in a different way. Like, if I if I want to, in a healthy way, look a different way. I yeah. should be allowed to without being made to feel like I'm vain or that I'm a piece of shit or that mm-hmm. I hate all women who are overweight. Like, no, like it's me again making a decision about my own body mm-hmm. that I'm going to then deal with like in a healthy way and gradually and not obsess about. Yeah. So don't feel bad about wanting to feel good. 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you can you can make changes to your appearance. You can do whatever you want to do if it's like healthy and not harmful. Right. And don't feel like you you're being judged for that. Even if you are, who cares? If someone else is doing something with their body, it doesn't affect you. I think it's important to, if you can, try to develop a healthy relationship with your body, whatever that means to you. Yeah. Where it becomes something that you love instead mm-hmm. of something that you hate. You know, stop I think telling everyone what to do. Stop telling everyone what to do and just do whatever the fuck you want. That's our takeaway. The end. Thank you so much for joining us on this roller coaster of an episode. You did a great job steering. Thank you so much. You did a great job co piloting. Yeah. If the co-pilot just, like, napped during the flight. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do at the end of every episode is we're going to bring our, our fearless producer, John, in. Hey. <laughs> and uh, I kind of just want to go through and we're going to rate the episode. So, John, now that you're in studio with mm-hmm. us, how do you think we did? Question for you before I answer. Does okay. it have to be? Wow, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> okay. Ooh, do I have to answer on a 1 to 10 scale? Can I do, like, some stars, 1 to 5 stars? There has to be some sort of metric. 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 Out of five stars. Yeah, because you have to. I'm going to switch it up and say uh, 4.6 stars. Out of of five. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good. Gabby, what do you rate it? I rate it a five out of five because I was able to get angry multiple times. (laughs) Yes. What uh, What was everyone's favorite part of the episode? Ooh, okay. Favorite part? Um, he took notes. I so took, he did. Look I at took him. Notes. I'm a producer. There He's we go. wearing glasses and a cardigan. Of course, he took notes. I actually probably my favorite part was the contention I felt when y'all were answering that international question. You and liked that, the tension? Oh, I loved it. I mean, because y'all y'all disagree with each other, but respectfully disagree with each other. Nice. And Gabby was like, "This guy is trash." And then Allison's <laughs> like, "Yes, but." Like, let's, well, that guy was trash. I, mean, I yes. was talking more to the greater population of men. Yes. So that's what I realized, too. I had to think back on it. and I go, OK, well, the way in which this guy is talking about pro-life, obviously, it'll it'll rub people the wrong way here and there. But like, this is what we're here for. We're trying to create that. We're not. This is, we're not creating drama. We're here to. You hired me for controversy. We hired you for controversy. And I'm here to bring you the tweets. Exactly. <laughs> so I am glad that you brought that raw, brutal honesty that we promise in every episode. Thank oh, yeah. You. That's yeah. right. In the tagline. Yeah. What do we all learn? I learned that Gabby, despite being more level-headed, can still be very, very mad. <laughs> not more level-headed, not more level-headed than you, more level-headed than, than you were in the past. Prior Gabby. Oh, I've always been much more level-headed than you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've been mentally ill since I was four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned that we're being tricked by Maggie into taking good photos. That's true, and I like it. Yeah. I like it. I And I learned that if you're an artist... Look into getting paid for your art in different ways. Look into what your city provides. Look into grants and don't fall victim to scams. I think that's good advice for all the artist kids listening. Yeah, in general, don't fall victim to scams. If something looks cool, don't research do it. it. Yes. Okay. Even though, <laughs> oh, sorry. Sense, yeah. <laughs> research it. <laughs> well, overall, this episode gets a six out of five. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> Thank you so much, Maggie West, for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Kristen Torres. Our senior producer is John Asante. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Radelit. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Why is John a senior? He's very important. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just my title, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
right, one in the can. Woo! Stitcher.